This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Conscious Living here at the Specialty Produce Network. We are so glad you're here to support your lifestyle with the fastest growing resource for conscious families. So sit back, relax, connect, and enjoy. Today, we have Travis, who's here with us, and Ashley as well. And Ashley has uh, a very... We have a very important Drug guest here with us. So, <laughs> Ashley, would you like to uh, introduce our guest today and yes. uh, what we're talking about? Okay. I'd love to introduce uh, my husband, Marvin Lee. Hello. <laughs> and we are here today. We're talking about a dad's perspective on raising a conscious child and what that means. And For like the, those who caught, I guess it was, oh, how many podcasts ago was that? Uh, a few. Two, two three. or three. Um, we did an interview with um, a lovely lady by the name of Cassie Poindexter, um, and she gave her perspective on raising a conscious child. And her child was four, four years is four years old, um, and she gave us a lot of insight on how that is. Today we have Marv Marvin. How do we? How, how would you like to be addressed? Anything, sir? <laughs> sir, yes, sir. Um, we've got Marvin in here, and his perspective is we're excited about is because Marvin has is raising an eighteen year old is eighteen, 18. Um, and so we're we're wanting to kind of dive into that and see what it was like from that point on, and how it still kind of carries over into raising an adult. So. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. When you first learned you're going to be a dad, what was that experience like as far as your responsibility with bringing a child into the world? Um, basically, I started sweating. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the first thought of my mind was, well, eh, life is getting real now. Um, this is, but it was shocking. And yet, you know, we were working for it, so it's like uh, it, it was just the reality of life just pops, you know, slaps you in the head, and just say, "Okay, it's real. Get with you know." Some people plan for it, some people don't plan for it, and it's like surprise. But right. uh, at least with uh, me and Ashley, we're you know we planned it and. Um, still remember sitting on the couch and she gave me this, it was around right before Christmas and she gave me this little box. It says, open it. I says, okay. And all of our friends were around. We popped open. It was a little uh, booty. It uh. says, oh, okay. I know what this one means. <laughs> <laughs> What's the toe warmer for? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, honey. And yeah. then, so, you know, even though I had in my mind my you know, I was ready for it. It's still not. You're still never fully fully prepared. Prepared, or you're not fully comprehending the enormity of that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you? Do you? Is there? If you can remember, do you remember? Was there like a 
a lot of information that was going through your head about what kind of dad you were going to be, what kind of person, how you were going to be showing up in that in your kid's life. At, at that point, you obviously didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, I guess, maybe. did Was it a pink booty or a blue booty? No, it was a white booty. Okay, so at that point, like, did, that, did those thoughts go through your head about, like, oh, well, this is the day, kind of dad I'm going to be? And do you remember that thought? No, I actually kind of... My personality, I'm really a laid back person. So I just says, okay, we're here we go. Kind of, we just go with the flow. I mean, that's cool. It's like, it's nothing. I, there's a lot of things I have no control over, but I will, I will take care of the stuff I can control. And uh, I kind of just kind of, the only thing I kind of did retrospectively is learning from my uh, being raised, how my parents raised me, how I would. I would take good things from them and some of the and not do the uh, stuff that I didn't think was nice mm-hmm. or good or just different. Yeah. And because the because of the <coughs> generational gap between my parents and me, and how fast you know how fast now te- uh, life is changing, especially with technology, consciousness, you know, in the knowledge. You know, the oh. internet has been amazingly scary for pushing out all this information. How much you know is real, how much is not real, but how things have evolved that quickly. How to go from, you know, where we are, well, from that day to the first 10 years, we learned that we were pretty much following the same footsteps as parents. Then as we, when we moved up here to San Diego and we, you know, made our own lives by ourselves, that's when more and more information came up and it was coming in fast. You know, Ashley started, you know, we started learning about um, my, my daughter's uh, central auditory processing disorder. Awesome. And that just you know, I mean, I couldn't even spell that before. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, to and then understand that it's a no, it's a known quantity or issue. But because it's all was wrapped up under ADD or ADHD, how that evolved, and so the information just kind of blew up. And as a parent, I was kind of. You know, just trying to stay ahead of the bow wave, uh, sailing it, and uh, yeah. trying to stay ahead of the information and try to assimilate it, see what's real, what's good, what's bad, what to take, what to disregard. Was it's hard, and I thinking about it now with the kids or the kids getting raised now with the new parents. That information is coming in faster. Mm. I mean. Back then, I thought we took a lot of pictures. I thought we, <laughs> I thought we documented my daughter's growth. I mean, I got, I recently started scanning all our photos. I got thirteen thousand photos. That's the first. I mean, I look at my cousin. She has a, uh, how old is? Uh, I was going to say, you ask a 12-year-old that now, and they're like, I took 13,000 selfies last week. Right. That's right. <laughs> so, so their entire lives are documented. I mean, you look at 
they have their own Facebook. I mean, my cousin, my cousin's kids have their own, and he's only what, what, two, one and a half years old. His entire life, and so that information, and how you as a parent, this changes so fast. I just, it's, it kind of mind boggles me. Yeah. Well, it's really true. When our daughter was born, there was no cell phones. I mean, it was just barely coming out the the big hand thing. It's like mm-hmm. a big hand thing. I don't know. It's this <laughs> big, video camera. It looked like a video. I mean, it was huge. It was as big as this seven fifty mil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the big the bricks, cell phone. The bricks. Right. Yeah. The bricks. And when she was born in nineteen ninety eight, it was very different. And and so now, I mean, what is it now? Four year olds are getting a hold of cell phones. Um, and calling their parents, they don't even have to remember their set, their telephone number, right. right? It's all in speed dial. You push a button. Yeah. So those those are very differing viewpoints. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I that came up as you were talking about before fatherhood and then entering that was that parenthood is one of these unique examples to you plan, 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 worry, worry, worry. What could go wrong? There's new testing for all these kind of diseases in the womb, and what could go wrong, and whatever, and then. It comes, and it's this practice and letting go of what might be or what could have been and just accepting what is there in that moment. And, you know, as we've talked about on a couple of podcasts before, raising a conscious child starts with a conscious parent, a consciousness within the parent, and recognizing that same – helping the child recognize that same part of themselves. So you as a father, before you became the title father – how can you describe your your level of awareness within yourself before when it was just you responsible for to now having another human being to help put out into the world? How did your level of awareness within yourself change? Oh, immensely. Um, actually, you know, up to the point where I got married with Ashley, I was totally clueless. You know, I had no idea what was out there. I was, I was just doing my own thing. I mean, I was racing sailboats. I was going out to sea. On, I had I had a little routine. You know, I would go out to sea, come back, party like hell, <laughs> race <laughs> sailboats, and then do it all over again. And then when we uh, then when we we got married, I had to assimilate that factor as a husband into the fact. So slowly. But then when being a f- parent hit me, then it changed – the scope of responsibility just blew up. And I was like – so many people – like so many of my friends told me, it's like when you're a f- parent, you, your life changes completely. You're totally upside down. It's not about you or your wife and not yourself. It's now a another person that is going to be a hundred percent dependent on you for the first ten year, first five years. After that, this is slow growth of weaning yourself off. Or she needs, oh, your child has to wean off of you. So. Love that. Love aha that. moment. That was a huge aha moment for me because I've never heard it say said so well. It's that when you said five years, I'm like, well, what did y'all do with her after that? Did you put her in a box and just be like, fed her every once in a while? But no, that is absolutely right. After that five years, in the way you said it, you start weaning the, yourself off but giving them the tools – 
to be able to go out on their own. And it's not so much – not only the tools. It's also kind of pushing them, pushing their envelope. Wow. You know, making them say you got to put them in uncomfortable positions. Okay, you got to sleep in your bed now by yourself. Wow. It's like, it's like you know, before <laughs> before that was like bassinet here, boom, right there. <laughs> Here's walls you can't get out of there. <laughs> and then, you know, so you kind of – so there's this, that step between understanding your entire life now has to revolve around that person to the point where – you have to start letting them wean off. And how that happens throughout life is different for every single child, every single parent. I mean, how many times have you heard about the helicopter moms it's like, or parents or uh, yeah. soccer mom mm-hmm. or parents? Recently. It's like, hello. It's like, hey, it's, you're not playing. The, you're not playing. The kid is playing. So a lot of times parent, parents forget that. They need to let them fall, let them cry, brush them off, kick in the butt, and say, get back out there. That's awesome. Yeah. So one of the things that you had mentioned um, about like getting – it's almost getting ready to get ready to have a kid was getting married. And whether or not the marriage was there, just learning to have a, a relationship, living in the same space as someone, sharing two separate types of personalities and two separate types of needs and wants and desires. So – how do two people who presumably have a lot in common, they want to spend a life with each other, but also probably have a lot of individuality. How did you, you learn how to get along with that person in a space while married, but then you enter this third little being into the relationship. So how did that turn around you being an individual with how you wanted to wean your child off of needing a parent into being independent with mixing that with the personality of the other half of your relationship. Um, yeah, that dynamic changed big time. You know what I mean? You just yeah, went from partying so, to marriage to child. Right. Yeah. So how did anyway, that? And that was within five years. You know, and that's for a lot of folks, that's a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there. It's just like instantaneously a parent, mm-hmm. you know, you know, at the club, Next two months later, whoops, <laughs> yeah. you're a parent. It's like, oops. Fell <laughs> <laughs> into you, I swear. I forgot. <laughs> oops. That's, my, that's the best like, explanation ever. In the club, and then oops. <laughs> I love that. I, I'm a avid watcher of the Golden Girls, and Sophia had this joke where Rose had asked, like, well, how do you get pregnant? Uh, in Sicily so quickly and she's like cheap wine and narrow streets <laughs> I'm like that's what we call a dance club nowadays. <laughs> so going it. back to the question <laughs> no I want to talk more about the oops <laughs> oops no go ahead so, so one of my the best uh, my father actually gave me one of the best um, advice he says Marvin the perfect marriage there's no perfect marriage the only perfect marriage is two imperfect people willing to give it all for the sake of themselves and the family. Mm. So, and you have to couple that with, and I think the pers- my personality of being laid back and just going with the flow, not trying to control every, every single aspect in life, you know, because you can't, you can't forecast everything. You have to kind of just deal with it. 
and you kind of have to have a ability to recognize what you can control and what you cannot control. And don't worry about what you can't control and worry about what you can control. And you try to, you know, you try to break it down simply. So as, you know, as we, I, my personal view of how I was trying to work my life with Lash's life was do everything that would help us. No matter what, uh, whatever trials, tribulations, joys we had, enjoy enjoy the moment and reinforce the good things, correct the bad things or the things that causes friction. Sometimes the best thing to do is not being right, but just being quiet, (sighs) accepting it. It's like, okay, it's not worth, it's not worth, it's not worth the fight. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of guys do that. Uh, and then yeah, it kind of rose into being a parent. It's like, okay, how do I change the diaper? Okay, just let me read the manual. <laughs> so, the manual. Still I've looking. heard there isn't one Still looking. on that. Yeah. Still loading. Uh, and, uh, one good thing, uh, one great thing being married to a pediatric ICU nurse, a lot of that uh, um, unknown as pa- new parents about, oh, should we do this? Should we do that? Is this fever bad? Is What's this rash? I didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> Mary's the Wikipedia. You're like, <laughs> did you have a bell by chance? Like, you know, anytime you were like, uh, ding, 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 nurse. <laughs> like, what is this? What am I looking at? How yeah, I, I just went, right, what's just, this? <laughs> honey, help. <laughs> like That happened. Like, that you were the manual. Like when you Because you read a manual. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really hit me when, so I knew right after Lauren was born, one of the first poops in the in the diapers will be the uh, meconium. Yes. So it's black tar, literally. Yeah. yeah. I read about it. I knew about it. I heard all the stories about it. I'm still not prepared. And when I opened it and looked at it, I looked at Ashley. Says, "Oh my God, <laughs> help!" <laughs> it was just like you didn't say it was that bad. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm going to go back to what you said earlier, which I really was another aha moment for me, was that you learned about your daughter's specific needs whenever they, you know, came up and that was hidden under, can you repeat what what it is exactly that you learned that she had like the... Okay, she had CAPD, Central Auditory Processing Disorder. So to give a real quick description... Is a, there's a disconnect between the hearing and the brain. The hearing works. The brain works. It's that connection between the two where it, it's not a – it's not the, – the connection between the two are garbled. So it could – and a lot of – so that was back when we were just learning about it. Everybody knew um, uh, uh, what's the ADHD. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff was just coming out. You know, basically stuff that you know our parents would just say, "Hey, the kids, the kids not the um, the kids just a boy." Yeah, you know, he's just great. He's just a lot of energy. Right. But all of that stuff was kind of wrapped up in one big 
because they couldn't, they didn't know the real differentiate. Uh, they didn't know how to differentiate the issues right. or, or the symptoms. So they just kind of, eh, we just put it all together. It's so a, all lumped it's under a, that ADHD yeah. umbrella. Yeah. yeah. That uh, was, that's what was really cool about that. So like, what did you do? I mean, you obviously, the first thing that it sounds like you got educated about it. I'm sure you probably looked them up as much encyclopedias and textbooks as you could. Um, and for that, it's like that is what I think Pete had mentioned earlier about what you do at, for yourself, you know, to be a more conscious parent. What else was it that you did like throughout the – I mean, she's 18 years old now. It's We've been – we've had the pleasure of meeting this beautiful daughter that you all have raised that is so smart and so pretty. Like what else did you do – to kind of give you more tools and to give you more – how did you educate yourself on to how to be a more conscious parent throughout that timeline? Um, most – so I will give a, the 100% credit to Ashley. Oh. She knew she knew something was wrong when she was six, six months old. At birth. At birth. Okay. I was going to say this is recorded. She's going to play this back for you. <laughs> 100% credit. <laughs> She knew something was not right, and we did we did a lot of stuff at in Hawaii, but it really didn't. The they, resource, they didn't have the resources was, yeah. for us to for us to determine what it was. We went round and round when she was very young, mm-hmm. and and then when we got here to California when she was two, we put her in preschool in different areas so that she could get acclimated to social environments that she needed because her speech was delayed. And we didn't really understand why back then. And and then what happened when we put her in pre-K, um, she was an August baby, so we were trying to determine whether to put her forward or, or kind of backwards. And August is an interesting month for schooling. And uh, we decided that uh, going back and doing pre-K rather than kindergarten was helpful. And um, at the school, they actually flunked her out of pre-K. And so we showed up as parents. Can you do that? <laughs> that's what that's what we said. We said, how do you, "Isn't pre-K voluntary?" How do you, how do you flunk out of pre-K? Like, she didn't stack the block correctly. <laughs> no, it was it was like that. She doesn't know her colors. She doesn't know how to say her name all the way. She doesn't know blah blah blah. And we said, "Yeah, that's why she's here <laughs> to learn so that." Never so in my life. What, what it was, it, where it really hit home was we. It was the summer. Um, I can't remember. It was the early part of summer, right before preschool. And I we submit uh, we put her in a summer program where it's supposed to help them teach um, reading and speech okay. to First, get her to so get her ready for kindergarten. We were pre K pre K didn't work all the way, so we were trying pre K plus. Yeah, <laughs> pre pre K. Pee-pee. Oh no, we, we were thinking. Okay, if she can do this, then we'll push her forward into oh, kindergarten. Oh, into kindergarten. Okay. If not, then they will back to pre-K. All of a sudden, that first day, she had a hissy fit. She was crying. She was inconsolable. And they called me at work. I said, "Hey, you got to come." They said, "You got to come here and grab her, get her. She, we can't stop." She come get your siren. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went there, picked her up. I said, "What's going on?" I said, we were trying to, you know, going through all the letters and all the words, and and she just couldn't do it. And that's where I kind of went, wow, uh, this is a more serious 
issue than I was thinking it was. I thought it was just a you know a little delay. It was not a delay. It's it was a physical detriment. Uh, it was a really uh, it was a big physical roadblock for her. And right there, I didn't know what to do. And luckily, Ashley found um, an audi- uh, audiologist. An audiologist who specialized in working with kids and adults with um, auditory processing issues. The pre-K had, had suggested to us, they said they would only accept her back into kindergarten if we took her for testing. So I said, cool, so what kind of testing do we need? What does that mean when you don't know your colors? <laughs> they said... You have to take her to psychological testing. So we went to a psychologist, and the psychologist knew right away and had heard of central auditory processing disorder. So it's another uh, learning disability underneath the umbrella of dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Lots of dyslexia. People have visual processing problems, um, sequencing problems, and auditory. And so she fell under that category of, of uh, auditory and so we got tested. It was a battery of tests, which is really challenging for the children. And after that, though, then we we felt so ingratiated being here in Southern California and having lots of resources. We did find a, a, an audiologist in L.A. that helped diagnose the different aspects of her audiology, audiology or her hearing difficulties. <laughs> so from that, we got put on a pathway to care for her in that way. And to support her, yeah. So once we, so once we found the, uh, w- once we identified the issue, we d- it was easy to, uh, to correct it. We knew how we knew then who we need to grab, who to find, and luckily, we, uh, I mean, I think Linda Linda was a godsend for us because she worked with Lauren for what eight years. Yeah, but three years intensively. Yeah. And, and completely remediated the auditory processing to the point where she's, you know, you know, I, I won't be a parent that brags, but I mean, literally, she accomplished this on her own, a four point four grade average, which honestly, we both parents, educated, college educated, never achieved that GPA. <laughs> so she did that on her own, and not through our pushing, but through her own determination. And then got accepted at a very large major university here in California. And she did all of that on her own because our goal collectively as parents is we wanted to teach her how to advocate for herself. And that was actually leading into my next question of, okay, so we we see that our child is not developing to the norm, uh, the average, and... <clears throat> All of a sudden, something's wrong. Something's disconnected. Something's not enough. How did you, as a father, um, and as a collective family, like let your daughter know that you're still a whole person who's capable of whatever? We just have to figure out a different way to get information to your brain, or to process it, or to like. How did you? Uh, How did you help her understand it? Come up, understand that that was not a part of her worth, or that a lack of worth in her. Ooh, good question. It's hard to, you know. One part of me says we kind of we never hit it. We just say, "Hey, we got to go see this person. She's going to help you." So, for right from the get go, we never put a stigma on it as, "Oh, you have a problem. 
We never said you have a problem. You never – so she never knew she had a problem. That's awesome. So he, we just said, okay, we're going we're gonna to see this. And because she was so young that it didn't really register that there was a problem except for the crying part. Yeah. But once you take that stimulus, stimulation out, she was fine. So when she, so I, I don't think I ever called it a problem or, you know, eventually we did say, hey, you have CAPD. When she started asking questions, we answered them. And we kind of told her what was going on. You know, she, she recognized there was, uh, there was things different about her and she started asking questions and we just answered the uh, point, you know, flat out, yeah, you have this. And we never put a stigma on it. We never put a title on it or try to hide it. I think a lot of people try to hide things. And it's better just kind of, you know, the kids are resilient. If they don't know, like, if, if they don't know they're poor, they don't know they're poor. Yeah. If, uh, if the kid doesn't know there's a problem and you just, you're just doing things to help them, they they accept it. It's, it's not a, a new norm. Yeah. Uh, it's only when you hide it and, or teasing from the other kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like when she had to wear a FM trainer where the teacher, one of the things was the teacher would have to wear an FM transmitter where she can speak directly into a mic and it would go directly to her ear because of the background noise issue mm-hmm. with the CAPD. And then there was a little teasing or, but luckily that school that she was at, most of the kids were cool about it. That's, and that's what, you know, from our, one of our other people that we asked what conscious means was that his brilliant answer was truth. And what you just said right there speaks volumes about what kind of a conscious father you were was because you gave the truth to your child. You never hid it. So... That also you were starting to talk about. So that, regardless of how you, you know, you never put a stigma on it. Kids are cruel. You know, there's outside forces that you cannot always be around your child for. Um, when she got a little bit older, and you know, she realized that there was a little bit of a difference. Kind of piggyback off what P was saying. Like, what, what as a father and as a as a family as well, like. What did you do whenever she just – because I'm sure there was a time maybe that she just was like, I'm different. I mean, did that ever come up or was it just something that she accepted right away? Where I think it's different being bad. Yes, absolutely. I'm different. And then how did you – I'm not even console, but like how did you meet that? How did you meet that – what's the word I'm looking for? Challenge. Challenge. Thank you. I don't know. I really don't know how – uh, how she, if she ever reacted to that per se challenge, I just kind of just dealt with it, whatever, you know, whatever tasking there was at that moment. If she a- asked me, if she says, why uh, why do I have to wear this ear in the eight? And says, hey, so the teacher can talk directly to you. Yeah. Constant uh, education. Yeah. And then how did she get teased? Uh, she probably did, but I, I don't remember. You remember anything about? Yeah, you, you know that's the laid back dad. It's awesome 
right? Because that's part of the healing process too. I think there was, there was a lot of different issues that were struggling when she was little. I remember the instance when we were walking to speech therapy at two and a half when we first got here to California and she was speech delayed um, pretty significantly. And it was, she had a lot of kids who were speech delayed have expressive language difficulties, but they have receptive, very good receptive. So they're listening really hard to figure out what's going on in their world, but they don't know how to get it out. And so I knew there was that discord. So we went to speech therapy and it, it's not the most perfect model for care. We just have too many kids to see and there's not enough speech therapists. But we went and she would hold my hand walking into the building and she said, Mama, why we come here? And I said, we come here so you can learn how to talk to your friends. And she said, oh. And I said, so do you have difficulty talking to your friends sometimes? Uh, yeah. And I said, okay. So we're going to help learn how to talk even easier to her friends. That was a lot of things that she struggled with in her early childhood years and in preschool years and early education years. Um, there were other aspects, too, with the FM trainer, for example. The kids would grab the mic and start screaming in it. Uh, yeah. Or the child would run – another child would run out of the classroom, and then the teacher would scream right into it, and Lauren would have to peel the – see, now Marvin remembers – and peel the uh, ear trainer off her ear because the teacher screamed in her ear, and the teacher forgot she was wearing the mic. So different little idiosyncrasies and differences like that – um, she's, she came home crying and why do I have to wear this? And this is a pain. And I mean, just, just figure. And, and then this was a child who couldn't express very well. So it's very, very challenging to help her help herself tell us what she needed. And it was really vital and important. I think Marvin, it has been such a great and laid back dad that he intuitively or instinctively knows or known what she needed and when she needed. Bingo! That's exactly what I was just thinking about. Whenever you you were like, you know, he was a laid back dad. That is exactly what she needed, and that Absolutely. intuition was running wild with you. I know it had to have been because that's again, you know, you have that's what's so brilliant about having a set of parents is that if they're both exactly the same, the child isn't getting everything that they need. That's correct. You know, so the laid back. You know, you may not. I saw it in your eyes whenever you remembered what she was talking about. The fact that you didn't remember right away, you experienced it and you gave her exactly what she needed in that time, which is that laid back dad. Again, we've met this child. This child is brilliant. You did a wonderful job at that. Oh, I so, think that's the know, credit you need yeah, to give yourself right. instead of the 100% credit for this one. I know exactly. Right. No, but she actually f- set out the, she found. The right. I was set the of, control freak. Okay. I was going to say we are not leaving that. this booth until you give yourself some credit. Lock the doors, producers. No, she 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 found all the information that we needed to to reach the gold line, which is what we got now with Laura. I get that. She she right. knew she knew she found the right people. She knew what we had to do, and uh, you know we talk about it. And I says, okay, we'll. Do it and bingo, and then there's that credit, and then we we do it all together. But yes. uh, but she she found she she identified it, figured uh, we figured out how to correct it and what's what's the long term plan. And therein lies the difference between a laid back dad and a disconnected dad. Right. The laid back dad took that and was like, you know what, you you may have helped him get those tools, but 
the laid-back dad said, we are going to do this as a family. Right. Where in areas of disconnected, dad would be like, oh, nope, too much for me. Don't want to do that. So there's that credit I was looking for. Right. So thank you, Marvin. Uh, so, and, <laughs> it's huge. It's huge, yes. So Pat him on the back. I can't reach him. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, everybody has it. Every single person uh, out there, every mother, every father, every potential fa- parent has the intuition. Absolutely. It's are they allowing themselves to receive that intuition, act on that intuition? Because, some, you know, the book would, does not tell you everything. And sometimes the book is not, it's not, uh, it's not in you know, your version, your kid's version. It's like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. again, it goes back to how things are evolving, how consciously information is getting pushed out there or discovered. I mean, how many times have you fought? How many times now Pluto has been changed from a planet to non-planet back to a planet? I mean, it, it can just, be whatever he wants. It's to like be. once in my lifetime has it changed more? Yeah, oh, it's, it's part of the. Asteroid. Is it a planet again yeah. now? It is a planet yeah. again. Yeah. It is a planet. Yeah. Welcome. I've <laughs> turned the news off for the past year, so I, it's not my fault. <laughs> so, 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 it, every person out there is connected. Intuition, they have the intuition is how, if they are allowing it to come out and act upon it. And that's, I think, I I tend to be a little bit more laid back and, you know, like, like most males, they see a problem, if they kind of focus on the problem and fix the problem. As females, they tend to be more generalized, more emotional. So how that comes together with um, trying to be acting upon your intuition is a different focus on from a male to female, how they approach things. Yeah. But that's why I think um, – Trying to remember all these things, I, I, I kind of let it go because yeah. it's, it's, that's living in the moment. You accept that moment, and then you're on to the next. The, the moment's done. So yeah. now we can look at the pick the fourteen thousand pictures and remember those fondly. Um, I I would want to say like kind of moving towards the end of our our show here. Fast forwarding, we've talked a lot about um, your daughter's early years, and fast forwarding now she is finishing high school. She's getting ready to go off to college. She, she is firmly weaned from the parents, I would say. Um, and so I, the homework I have for you all six months from now, you get a gift, you get to watch and be proud at the, at the person that you've allowed to be authentically blossom into the woman she is and to see what she's going to create for her life. But then you also, there's like a curse side of that, of this empty nest syndrome. So I would love to have like another part two of this interview, come back and say, How's it like watching your daughter bloom? And what are you doing with all your time now as parents? Well, it's not only that. It's about like, <laughs> right, you're – it's it's working in reverse like you said. You went from, you know, doing the racing and the drinking and then coming back and doing it all over again to getting married and adding another one. And so the other one is still around but they're out of the nest now. So it's like how are you going to become even more conscious yeah. with yourself? And that's not a question you can answer right now, but <laughs> better start looking into it here pretty soon because it's coming. <laughs> the way the way I kind of fork, thought about this entire, you know, sitting back and just kind of watching and kind of anticipating what's going on, 
I figured right now the way the next step in our lives, the way I'm going to approach things is I'm going to spend more time with Ashley. I mean, for the past 18 years, everything was revolving around our daughter. You know, yeah, we did a lot of things together. We jumped out of an airplane, parachute. Yeah. Uh, we went glider flying. So I want to do that more. I mean, I think it was more, it's more of our time now. And you've earned it. And then as we'll be there for Lauren, she goes, she's going to run into some roadblocks. She's going to make some phone calls. Uh, I can see the FaceTime thing coming up and says, why did he dump me? And I was like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> That's living too far in the future. Don't do it. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. And for, for <laughs> no, the, the one that really worries me. Hey, Dad, I'm gonna bring. Uh, can I bring a friend back home? It's like, uh, sure. <laughs> does he? Does, does this person have a penis? <laughs> so I think you know. that is. No. So that if you might want to. This is also recorded, Ashley. So if you know this happens and you can't get some time because Ashley is working 26 hours of the day, then you let us know and. We'll okay. uh, we'll take some of that on for her, but I think that what is I a- did. Well, I wanted to add one thing in to help us transition between uh, taking care of Lauren as a young child, as collectively as parents, um, for her, and then her growing into this child who's now leaving the nest and and is independent and can do things. How how did how did we transition her there? We did we did a lot of things. One was helping her learn how to advocate for herself and pick her feet up and put her shoes on and walk out and do the things that she wants to do in life, which she has clearly done. But another big part, which was really awesome that Marvin had pointed out, was that he forgot. So he didn't forget what had happened to her, what we did. He forgot the pain. So he healed and worked on the pain that was created. We did experience quite a bit of pain and suffering back then, but we don't carry that in our family. We don't carry that in, and it's not because she got a 4.0 that released the pain. That that pain got released long before. Um, You know, I don't know when exactly it started really to diminish, but it started to diminish when when we felt that she really could (coughs) carry herself carry her her life and her process through and and release some of the dependence of either the therapies that supported her and also of ourselves that supported her. And she started to release that. And we knew that when she felt whole, amazing, and could do and accomplish anything that is she wants, whether that was physical, emotional, mental, and or spiritual, that really opened her up. And that's what really... Together, and I don't think that we even took a collective like, okay, this is our plan on how to release this pain because it's really important to do that for the healing of our family. It just happened organically. And and what were some of those constituents for you, Marvin, that helped you release some of that pain and that suffering that we experienced when we were younger with her, trying I, to support her? I think it was just my personality of yeah. Um, I just kind of focus on the issue at hand. It's, I fix it, done, move along. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the, the the moment that I knew that we she was going to be okay was when we sent her to Hawaii by herself. Yeah. We put her on an airplane, see you, we'll see you in a few months. 
that right there was when when we when we flew back to Hawaii and met her at the airport. I knew right there. It's like okay, she's gonna be okay. And she obviously is. I mean, she is again a great, great, great gal. Um, Marvin, thank you so much for coming in and thank actually giving us me. the thank perspective you. that we, you know, the other side of the the card. Um, you should uh, should <laughs> give yourself a lot more credit because you you've done a lot more than you think. Of, it sounds like, and uh, she's she's a great gal. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Ashley, for. Both both perspectives, both both sides of this interview last week yeah. and then this week, and yeah. we will have more coming at you for on conscious living here at the Specialty Produce Network. So stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another amazing episode of Conscious Living here at the Specialty Produce Network. For more information on how to support your lifestyle with the fastest growing resource for conscious families. Visit our website at www.centerforconsciouskids.com. That's www.centerforconsciouskids.com. Join us again next week as we get a little bit more conscious and a little bit more centered. And we'll see you then. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you.